Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Mosaic Church. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. It's a great way to warm up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. Every year at this time, it's uh, obviously very, very important for us to focus on the greatest gift that was ever given to us, the gift of life through life himself, and how that life impacts our lives today. Many people have uh, religious rituals that they go through, and I'm not being critical of those in any way, but I am saying religious rituals are not what change our lives. What changes our lives is the deposit of the gift, greatest gift ever given thousands of years ago, the gift of life or the gift of God's Word. Uh, Growing up in a church that celebrated Christmas like most churches did and, you know, did all the traditional things, uh, once I really, really understood the Word of God and uh, the gift of life, it changed everything for me. It changed uh, even how I thought about or how I think about Christmas, which is why I'm doing this message today, the power of the Word, the Word being the greatest gift ever given. It says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, in one person, uh, one translation, divine expression, and it means in the Greek to break silence. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. I know that we all uh, look at the beautiful lights this time of year, and and really they're just that, they're beautiful. But if we really wanted to take it back to John chapter 1, it's a celebration of light, the light that God sent in the person of his son Jesus. And so if I had children today, I'd be explaining to them these lights represent a life and a light that was sent thousands of years ago. We're not just doing it because they're beautiful. We're doing it to remind ourselves that light changes everything. I don't know how many of you have ever found yourself in the middle of the night getting up to go to the kitchen or somewhere else. And and you think, man, I just don't want to turn a light on because I don't want to really wake up. And, and then in about 30 seconds, when you trip over the hassock, you'd wish you'd turn the light on. And it's very, very important that we understand light gives us clarity uh, as well as beauty. And that we need to live in the light because we're children of the light. So I'm going to talk about four different things, the, how do we, <coughs> four different ways we use the word. Number one, the hiding word or the hidden word. You can always tell what someone is made of when something difficult happens to them, can you not? Whenever something is difficult and uh, 
you see somebody's response, it doesn't matter how normal they might behave, how kind they might be during calm times. You can really tell who a person is when they go through difficult times. You can tell what's on the inside of them when they go through difficult times. You can tell because it, without any effort, it just comes out of them. You, and half the time, if somebody you haven't been around somebody in a difficult time, and you, you've known them to be very calm or seem to be very calm, and then let something difficult happen, and that'll tell you who they really are. And so it'll tell what's on the inside of us. And so the, uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Now here's how he says he does it. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, I want to make sure that everything that happens to me and through me is first filtered by your word that's resident in me. Now, it's been my experience that even Christians, uh, when something very difficult happens and it's very emotional, that most often, rather than referring to the Bible, they refer to their emotion. In other words, I'm going to give you the response that I'm feeling, not the response that I'm knowing. So in other words, if somebody came up to you in the lobby today, I pray they don't do this, it could give us a lawsuit. But if somebody came up and slapped you on a cheek today, it'd be interesting to see your response. I, I, right? I mean, you know, it's like, because, because the very first thing you're going to do is feel the slap. And then you're going to respond typically out of that emotion. Now, it would be great to watch a real Christian where somebody comes up and slaps them and they hit them on this cheek like this and then they turn and go, oh, do this one. I've never seen that happen. But that will tell you what they're made of. That's really, a, that's what the Bible tells us to do. If someone hits you on one cheek, turn let them hit you on the other. But it's not a normal human response. A normal human response is, I'm going to hit you back and hopefully knock your booty out, and then afterwards we'll talk and we'll apologize to one another, when in reality that's not the best approach. The best approach is to, to have a biblical approach because it says that I might not sin against you. So when we talk about the Bible, we talk about the Word, many people see it as almost a, a if, if uh, carrying the Bible or have, you have it on your uh, coffee table or whatever, that, that this is impenetrable. It's really not. This is simply a book until it gets inside of us. That's when it comes to life. Otherwise, it's just ink on pages. But when it gets in here, it takes on human form. And human form is changed because it forever changes us. So when God sent Jesus, he wanted to send him to not just die for our sins, but to give us authority and power to overcome our sinful nature. And during this holiday season, as every year it is the same way, 
there's a lot of pressure. A lot of people can't afford to buy gifts. And we got COVID this year. We got all these things going on. And we find out what we're really made of during times like these. And it's been very interesting. Uh, I think for the most part, what I've seen is most people have handled it fairly well. And, uh, but I think we're ready for it to be over. But during this time, I don't know about you, but it's really caused me to just really go deeper into the Word of God. Brandon, the tall guy with the beard up here, he and I were talking this week. And uh, he said, you know, he said, I haven't learned a lot of new things this year. He said, but I have visited a lot of things that I've known for a long time that I haven't thought about. And in other words, I, I really went back to that place, if you will, my roots, the, the, you know, into my soul and revisited some powerful truths. It's like you read a book one time that was one of the best books you've ever read in your life. You put it on the shelf, you haven't read it in years, you grab it, you read it again, and it reminds you of the power and the value of its content. To me, that's what this year was about. What are we really made of? Things are going along great, everything's smooth, anticipating 2020, perfect vision. It was, it was a great year. We had all the, the titles and subtitles and everything ready for this unbelievable year, and then boom, March hits. We find out what was inside us. So this is why, number one, memorize God's Word. Memorize it. Get, get enough scripture in you that when crisis comes and you feel alone, you go back to that verse, He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He'll be with me always. I don't have enough. Hold it. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God of more than enough. My neighbor's stupid. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Going back to the Word of God, having that Word in you that keeps you from self-destruction. It's so very, very important. So memorize it. Don't just carry the Word. Memorize the Word. This past Wednesday, I did the phone call to you guys. And I don't know how many of you got it, how many of you didn't. But I want to go back and, and repeat a part of that phone call. Because when I think about the story of Horatio Spafford, I'm... Always touched. It's one of my favorite hymns of all time. When he lost his daughters on a cruise ship en route to Europe, but his wife survived. And when she called him, when she finally got to a place she could let him know that they had lost their daughters at sea, rather than going, and he was a very wealthy man, rather than figuring out all the ways he could respond with wealth and do a great memorial or funeral or sue the shipping company or whatever it might be, he writes this hymn, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. This is someone who has hidden the word of God in his heart. And in the midst of devastation and great loss, his response was, all is well. When you've lost everything, when everything is as bad as it can get, there's one thing that we must never, ever give up, and that is God's Word hidden in our soul. Because God's Word can change everything in one moment. Secondly, once you memorize it, meditate on it. Matter of fact, Psalm 1-2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he 
meditates, ponders, imagines, utters, talks, and studies day and night. I pity people who haven't cracked a Bible open in forever. Because the Bible is not just a good book. It is a book of transformation. When it gets in us, it transforms how we think, how we respond to crisis, how we respond to everything in life. When we want to get revenge, God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I'll repay. We have to rely on Jesus. You can see how the word is working in you when crisis is working around you. It's always interesting to me. There are people that we think are spiritual giants. They dress right. They look right. They talk right. They're on the board. They're in church. But let a crisis come and it'll tell you what they're made of. So we're really not defined by the day-to-day activities of life. We're really defined by the moments that are brought upon us unsolicited in the midst of a crisis and our response to those crises. I don't know about you, but maybe it's just my personality type. You look around and there's an expectation. Certain people have an expectation uh, of you of how you should respond. Well, they're not your God. God is your God. We don't respond according to how somebody wants us to respond. We respond by the Bible, by the Holy Spirit. That's how we're supposed to respond. Instead, we look around and if somebody, you know that they look at you and you don't get mad at somebody and they're mad at them, they want you to get mad with them. Don't get mad with somebody just because they expect you to get mad because somebody did you wrong. And it's very hard not to do because they think you're weird. They think you're not feeling right. They think that things are not going. I just have learned that I need to be very cautious. Keep his word hidden. Second is the abiding word. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. God's abiding word is our connection to answered prayer. When I used to pray, before I knew the Bible, before, you know, my mother was a a saint. She really was and prayed all the time. But a lot of people pray to God without ever knowing what God would have them pray about. In other words, pray according to His Word, not according to your emotion. If I prayed, or most of us prayed according to our emotion, and somebody heard us, we'd ask God to call down fire from heaven. Kind of like the sons of thunder. Pay back now, God, and do it in front of me. Well, you can pray that if you want, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to get you very far. But when we know how to pray, and we know how to pray according to God's abiding word in us, something changes in us. And that's what we want first and foremost, is something to change in us. I was reading an article, and it was, it was kind of strange, that uh, a man had had an accident, and 
he had hit a motorcycle and killed the rider on that motorcycle. And he was devastated. And for years, he was devastated. And one day, he gets, gets a call from the parents of the rider who had died. And they said, can we take you to dinner? And every year after, they took him to dinner. And over time, he found himself being healed. Simply because they responded by the word of God instead of by the emotions of man. Which would be, I can't believe you killed my son. I can't believe you did that. What, what, what were you thinking? What were you doing? What You weren't paying attention. And the list goes on. But instead, this family decided that they were going to respond according to the abiding word of God. Now that sounds like it, it's just crazy, I know. Because most of us are very vindictive in our human nature. But when God's word gets in us, we want to respond differently. The word abiding in us produces fruit that brings God glory. It says, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If you want to have a fruitful life in 2021, if you want to be fruitful in relationships, in success, in so many different ways, we have to allow God's word to abide in us and obey it. You know, I've, I've been doing this a very, very long time, and sometimes it's surprising that you would think things would change over time. They just don't change much. People's response to crisis remains pretty much the same. People say, well, you know, I've been hurt and I just can't get over it and I'm still angry. And, and they finally just quit trying. But the Bible says, forgive and you will be forgiven. So I need to first, if I want forgiveness, I need to give forgiveness. Then the next biggest thing is area of giving. People say, well, I'm just broke all the time. I guess it's going to be my lot in life. And I've taught for years and years and years. And, and I just got to say, I wish that the words I'm teaching and the words that so many pastors teach would take root in the hearts of people. The mafia has more money than ministry. And it's very simple reason is most people in the church, according to Barna, over 95% of people don't even tithe. And you tell people every year, every year throughout the year, do this, do this, and these can't wrap their mind around it because the word is not in their heart to obey and to watch Jesus do what he wants to do with it. And I wish I could get that in you, but that's the abiding word. These are forgiving is an abiding word. Giving is an abiding word. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. It's the word abiding in us that empowers us to do the things that we're supposed to be doing. But it requires a discipline, not an emotion. Emotionally, we will most of the time do the wrong thing. Number three is the guiding word. So you have the hidden word or the hiding word to keep things in sync here. That the word is hidden in our heart that we might not sin against him. The abiding word 
is in our lives so that we will know what to do. It abides in us, and it's directed toward his word working in us and through us. The guiding word, you see in Matthew 5.15, neither do I do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I didn't think much about this when I was young, but as I started getting older, I started realizing that my response to a situation in public might be the greatest witness that a person sees that Jesus Christ is Lord. I have ruined many opportunities, might I say. And then one day I woke up and I went, I realized this word is a light. And most of the world lives in darkness. And when they see someone being kind, when they think they shouldn't be kind, it changes everything for them. You can go tell someone how awesome Jesus is. God sent his son 2,000 years ago, born in a manger, eventually to die on a cross, ascend and seat himself at the right hand of the Father, standing in the gap. You can give them the theological plan of salvation all day long. But it typically doesn't register until they know that they deserve to be treated differently than the way you treated them. And you have no theological training, no background, but you loved them when they know they didn't deserve to be loved. It changes everything. You can tell someone how wrong they are, how they shouldn't be doing certain things that they're doing, and, and you can biblically point out to them all the things that could possibly change if they would just allow God's word to abide in. It's not until they see the light of hope in us that they begin to believe. His word gives light and direction to our walk. Psalm 119, 104, Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible says the footsteps of a righteous man or a good man are ordered by God. It's so extremely important that we realize we've been bought with a price. Our lives are no longer our own. They belong to God. I stand on this stage today for one reason and one reason only. Because God said go back to Oklahoma City. No other reason. <laughs> I, I, I thought it looked silly. I, along with probably everybody else that thought it looked silly. And I thought well I don't care what looks silly. It looks really silly to not obey the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It didn't matter to me any longer whether anybody approved or disapproved. It didn't matter to me anymore whether we had a big crowd or a small crowd. What simply mattered to me and remains the primary matter today is obedience to him. That's all that really matters to me. Because at the end of my life, I'm going to give an account for, for my life. And I want to be able to simply say I finally woke up one day and realized the most valuable thing I have to offer God 
is trust and obey. Just trust Him and obey Him. You know, it's, it's so easy to live a life wounded, emotionally wounded. Somebody hurt you. Somebody's still hurting you. You still hurt. We all fight hurts every week, if not every day. We just have to say, God, show me the way through this. Show me the way through this. No matter how big or important any of us think we are, God's word stands forth as an unchanging beacon. All other courses must be altered to his. I'm just going to throw this in because it's typically, it does not require a prophet to know that people watching online and people in-house today probably have broken relationships in your family in the workplace, neighborhood, community. And it seems like, and I don't know whether it's demonic or I don't know whether it's the Holy Spirit. I wish I could tell you. But God so desperately wants us to be restored in relationships that I think sometimes he points out the need for us to respond to people who have hurt us in a way that is redemptive. When I say I'm not sure if it's the Holy Spirit or demonic because a part of me thinks it's this time of year that I ought to have, be able to forget all of those. So why, why, why are they surfacing? And I really think God wants us to do what we need to do to experience what he wants us to experience. So when I think this year, when I think about Christmas and I think about all the goings on, all the gatherings, all the gift exchanges and everything that's going on, there is momentary happiness. A gift does bring a certain amount of joy, but most of you, whatever you get for Christmas, it'll be in the closet and you won't see it again for a couple of years and go, oh, I remember when I got that. You won't remember who got it for you, but, but in the moment it was great. But this is the difference in a gift and the gift. The gift of God is 24-7, 365, 52. And it's always with us. James 1 says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So to me, the word abiding in us, guiding us, hiding in us, empowers us to see the things in our lives that, that need to change. And you won't be perfect, and as a result of that, many people quit when they make a mistake after they repent to someone. But you got to keep getting up and realizing the words at work in your life. Let it keep working. Let it keep shining in the darkness. You're going to be around people who are full of hate and meanness, living in darkness. 
And the temptation is to get sucked into the vortex of that darkness and that hatred. Instead of coming in and being the light that says, I just am not going to entertain that. Somebody's going to say something sharp. They're going to have a sharp tongue. They're going to say something critical. And for those of us with the gift of sarcasm, it's very difficult to not snap back. It's ironic to me how quick something comes to my mind when somebody like that comes into my world. Instead of looking and saying, I know God loves you so much and so do I. Yeah. But I know that's what I should say. That's what I want to say. Because the world doesn't need any more anger. It doesn't need any more hate. It doesn't need any more unforgiveness. It doesn't need any more bitterness. And quite frankly, it doesn't need any more sassiness. You know, if... I know nowadays we've got, you know, concordances and commentaries and Bibles and translations right here. And I do a lot of my stuff on here. And sometimes I'm thankful for that and then there's just something about the book. It doesn't have anything else on it. Facebook, Instagram doesn't have anything else on this, nothing else in here. Your, your budget's not in here. Your trust is in here, but not your budget. Instagram's not in here. It's so nice just to be able to pick up a book that's pure. And there's nothing else to distract you because when you open it from cover to cover, it breathes life. I don't know. I just, I just have fallen in love not anymore with the Word than just the book itself going... There's, there's so much in here. There's healing. There's provision. There's relationships. There's community. And, um, you know, there are some things, and I know I risk sounding very old, but <laughs> something happens, I think, when you go through life and you, you have something to look back on. things that changed you for good, the things that changed you for bad, difficult times that God somehow got you out of, times when you didn't have anything to eat, somehow God provided. It's a busy time of year, and if we're not careful, the word is lost become subservient to all the activities around us instead of the activity that is happening in us. The last point is the deciding word. You have to decide to keep the word hidden in you. To keep it abiding and working keep the light on all the time. Motel 6 stole that thought. We'll leave the light on for you. 
That's what God said 2,000 years ago. I'm bringing it. I'm going to leave it on for you. So when you're getting here and you're tired and you're dark, it's dark outside, I'm going to leave the light on for you because I don't want you running into things unexpectedly. Joshua had decided, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. He didn't take a vote. He didn't say, well, what do you all think? Is it okay with you if I stand for my father? He said, no, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And this isolation, this time where people have taken off, and I'm going to hit on this one more time before the end of the year, and it's right now. Those of you that can go to Walmart and Target, but you can't come to church, you might want to start thinking again. I'm so tired of hearing Christians say, well, you know, we just want to be safe. But you can't go to church. You can go to every store in the world. You need to rethink what you're doing. I'm just being pastoral right now. And I'm finding out what's inside you right now because some of y'all are already mad at me. You need to get happy in the same robe you got mad in because you ain't had nothing clothes on on a Sunday for 60 weeks. Oh, excuse me, 40. 40. I ain't mad at you, but I'm going to tell you, the demonic ploy is to isolate, divide, and conquer. We have to make hard decisions, and you can only make those hard decisions with the Word of God in you. Job looked, and he's going through hell, and he says, Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I can promise you right now, right now, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Deborah, they'd all be on the front row right now. Paul, Peter, Mary. Oh, Peter, Paul, and Mary. There you go. <laughs> they'd all be right there on the front row. Well, we can make excuses for just about any behavior that we choose. But that's just mostly what they are, excuses. Peter was confronted after being released from prison. He said, well, you know, they said, don't go preach anymore in his name. They said, Peter said, we must obey God rather than man. Something's happened in our faith that is greatly challenging and disappointing. We live in such a wonderful world, but this is not our world, and this is not our final resting place. I lost another classmate last week. School with him my whole life. Tragic loss, one of the kindest men I've ever known in my life. It was kind of sobering for me to realize we're there. And I can promise you he's in heaven today, not because he was such a good person, but because he loved God. And he his light would shine in the darkness. There's not a person that could say anything bad about him, in my opinion. If they did, they didn't know him. Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Nothing really matters to me except that. So we have to decide how we're going to run our race, how we're going to finish our race. This Christmas, this holiday season, and by the way, I'm, I'm a real advocate for Merry Christmas. I get a little twisted on Happy Holidays.
That's code for I, I don't want to offend you by using Christmas. So don't ever happy holiday me. Because I'm going to wish you a Merry Jesus Christmas. Because when you do that, that turns the light on. Because he is the word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending the greatest gift that any of us could have ever hoped for. We didn't know how to use the gift when you sent it. Many times we still don't know how to use the gift. We use it as a weapon to find scriptures that point out the feelings that we have instead of the truths that we know. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Somebody hit you on one cheek, turn let them hit you on the other. If they ask you to go one mile, go two. If they ask for your shirt, give them your coat. Love your neighbor. All these wonderful mandates that go against the grain of our humanity. But somehow you make them work to bless everyone when we embrace them. Help us, Lord, during this time to more like you, less emotional. Somebody hurts us, may we pray for them. May we bless those who curse us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask all of you to pray this prayer with me. I believe it will be life-changing for those of you who have yet to make Jesus the Lord of your life and for those of you who have wandered away from the powerful Word of God. I want all of you to pray this prayer with me. Pray this with me now, right now. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus, your only Son, to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today your Word is deposited in me, hidden in me, to bring light into darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or to rededicate your life, please text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. And put your name in there if you would. It's always a joy. 405-500-1310. And just put your name and, and the word SAVED. We get that, and we'll rejoice with you. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week. Get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.